Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. There's something being shoved in our psyche. I was growled at by a, an editor of a woman's fashion magazine when I was working at E, and my sound guy leans over to me and he goes, that that person, I'm not going to name names, but that person is actually growling at you because he could hear it. It was being picked up on audio. And I really rubbed people, some people in a wrong way because I was representing change. Yeah. The pain of not changing is greater than the change itself. That's when change happens. Did I want to conform? No, I wanted to just be happy and healthy at whatever size I was going to be. And I was done with all the dieting. I was done with thinking that I was not right just where I was. Welcome to Squats and Margaritas. I'm Erin Washington, a mom of two trying to balance all the things. I'm a mompreneur, a former college athlete, and a woman that struggled for 20 years with body image, multiple eating disorders, and having no self-worth. I talk to strong, vulnerable, and authentic women and share conversations for other women to feel seen and less alone. If you are looking for tips on how to level up, balance all the things, or just listen and learn from strong, powerful women, you found the right place. This is Squats and Margaritas. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet you. Have some tequila and stay. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Supermodel Emmy. That's right, one name. There's Beyonce, there's Rihanna, and there's Emmy. She's a social reformer and body image advocate and was the first plus-size supermodel. She paved the way for Ashley Graham, Lizzo, all of the body image advocates that we know today. She's the OG. She was named to People's 50 Most Beautiful twice, and now she uses her platform to speak on body image and body acceptance. Please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this. That way you'll get an alert every time a new Squats and Margaritas drops. And please consider leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. Here is my episode with Emmy. Hi, Emmy. <laughs> hello, hello. Good to see you. It's so good to see you too. I'm geeking out. I have not done this since Katie Couric. You should know that. <laughs> These are my two freak out moments. Thank you so much for doing this. I am so happy to see you. Thank you. My pleasure. Absolute <laughs> pleasure. I have listened to so many interviews that you've done. Everyone starts in the same place. You are an aspiring reporter. You see an ad and um, they sign you. I want to go back further. Were you always this confident force that we see now? Or as a teenager, did you struggle with body image, disordered eating, any of those things? Because that's when I struggled. So we could start there. Um, (laughs) It is your environment. It's really, I, I believe that we come into this world with vim and vigor and um, a lot of confidence. 
it just just as a soul coming into this world. And um, my mom, I remember my mom um, being this beautiful woman. Um, I looked at her like goddess, goddess. Mm-hmm. And um, she would verbally talk about her body in ways that made me go, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, why are you talking about yourself as a young person? I remember a lot of eggs and grapefruit diets and trying to, you know, so we're talking 60s. We're yeah. talking 64. I was born 63. So 64, 65. 60, so there's all this twiggy stuff happening around her culture, her okay. zygist. And, you know, I think a lot of our parents um, suffered because of that, in, that, that big light bulb moment when commercialism and women and the need to, the, the innate need to fit in, to be loved, to be, you know, those are real things that we need. And then once that was tapped into, then there was all these other diet related companies that were popping up and everything. And I was a child of a mother that was going through this. Okay. So I grew up jumping and leaping in Central Park. I, my mom had to have me on a leash, literally. <laughs> and I was, and I laugh because I see other parents doing that. I go, I understand. <laughs> but I had an incredible amount of energy as a, as a, as a, just a young person, I, I literally could run around the room in the ceiling and the walls. And, and, and it was, I had to be let loose in central park. Um, so that was my saving grace actually. Right. It, it, it saved me where if I was complacent and also just staying in the house and, and, and not being athletic, um, it would, I would have, not been able to do the work that I had done. So being athletic saved my butt because there was a goal and that confidence of reaching goals, not reaching goals, having a goal helped me kind of push away that other chatter that was going on. My mom would touch my tummy and I had a little tummy. And I remember she goes, darling, keep your shoulders back and tummy in. And I'm going, Oh my God. And it was always a touch to the tummy, a touch to the tummy. So there were seeds that were being planted, not only with my goddess talking in ways that were not the way that I saw her and then the physicality and then going into my mother's relationship with my stepfather and my relationship with my stepfather. um, He had serious issues around bulimia and his own weight and all this and control and lack of control. And I kept on being an athlete. Thank God I was an athlete. Yeah. Um, and my size and my strength and all that I came into this world with um, on the outside of my home was being, oh, bravo, you're getting red ribbons, yellow, you know, whatever ribbons. And I was always just loving team. And I loved, you know, doing different things and challenging myself and saying, I don't do it, but let me try. Yeah. But in the house, there was restrictive eating. There were no seconds and that kind of thing, or there would be seconds. But, you know, it was just a crazy thing. And then I go and become a high schooler and I go into college and I got a full athletic scholarship to college. Wow. And that's when even my athlete friends were like, okay, well, you know, we used to Hoover the breakfast buffet. <laughs> and, but then we would burn all the calories, but you would hear the, the talking 
Yes. Oh, I better not eat so much because of that. And I'm like, we're we're burning 10,000 calories a day. Yeah. You know, if we're consuming even 7,000 calories a day, you're still, you know. So oh I, I had to dismantle that thinking as a young person in my 20s living and working in L.A. and then being an on-air journalist uh, in Flagstaff, Arizona for NBC Affiliate. And coming back to New York City and then falling into the modeling industry, I didn't know how how well prepared I was right. with my listening to what was going on around me, being signed with this small little agency. When I was on set in the early 90s and listened to stylists that said, well, you're a 12 or a 14 and, and our clothes are tens. Didn't your agent tell you that you, so there was this, Oh my gosh, do they understand what full figure? I mean, I was five eleven, I was 12, 14 and they had size eight size 10 and you would either fit in, you wouldn't fit in or they had to cut it up. And there was this whole thing going on again with my body. Yes. And I was like, something just not right. And my journalistic things started coming out and I started asking why and when I started talking, I was starting to listen again more. And women were saying all their stories and men about their stories. Men. Go, Holy moly. <laughs> this is a big topic. So many things that you said are so spot on for me. I, I have a foundation now. And when I do speaking, I always talk about moms we think about what to say to our daughters and we hype them up and we tell them they're so beautiful and they're perfect and they're so smart. It's not just what you say to your daughter. It's what you're saying to yourself. Yes. But it's, you're not modeling that you're talking to them that way. And then you're in the mirror, like, Ugh, I got to lose five pounds or I got to, um, I got to go on a diet. You're modeling something else. So I always say, it's not what you're saying to your daughter. It's how you're talking to yourself. Because like you said, you saw your mom as a goddess and you're modeling what a woman should be. So it doesn't matter what you're saying to her. She's watching you in the mirror. She's watching you on the scale. So it starts with how you talk to yourself. So we had that in common. My mom was on all the diets. I also was a college athlete, but for me, thin meant like fit and good for soccer, for my sport. So I would always try to be super thin because that meant I was fast and I was in shape and soccer was my identity. It was everything. So I was anorexic when I was playing soccer, but when my identity was gone, the only self-worth or value I ever associated with myself after college was gone. I fell into depression, bulimia. I, I relate to what you're saying about how much you're eating because you're a division one athlete and then it's just gone. So I gained a bunch of weight and it was like, I'm not a soccer player anymore. Who am I? Depression, 10 years of bulimia, no self-worth. I got into horrible relationships and I now see like my husband, uh, he was a Pro Bowl linebacker in the NFL. I met him in the height of his career. And I am self-aware enough now to know that the initial draw to him was that he was important and I didn't have self-worth. So if I can kind of align myself with him, then I'm important because I, I didn't see it in myself. I did not find confidence until maybe 38, 39 and having no self-worth and now like raising a daughter. I'm so grateful that I've found it now, but at what point I know you have Toby, you have your daughter. Yeah. What point? Did you like step into your confidence? Cause I'm just thinking no modeling experience being thrust into the modeling industry where people critique you. 
and knowing that you're not the norm. How did you handle that? Like, I think imposter syndrome, like, did you try to be the norm or did you just kind of embrace and accept that this is who I am? More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. It's interesting. And I'm going to go back to being an athlete, hey. um, especially a rower, because we trained and trained and trained and trained for six minutes on the water. Mm-hmm. And we had six races in the spring. But wow. we would run every single step in in the carrier dome. We would do insane things. And there was f- many more failures. There were many more losses than wins. But those wins, when we won, taught me so much about how you can't, as a rower, you can't do this alone without the, the seven other women in the boat. Yeah. And the confidence that I got was I could bench 160 and leg press 410. <laughs> and my, I, from what it was this thing, but it was very hard being this, um, this, this, I call, you know, I call my girlfriend's goddesses and Aaron, you're a goddess, right? <laughs> but we were, we were not Adonises. We were Amazons. And when we left our playing field and we mm-hmm. went into mass culture Yep. And we went into a date and a guy would you know, go ask you out because you were out and you're looking great and everything. And then all of a sudden he hugs you or touches your bicep or holds your back. And, and if they're not secure, obviously yeah. they're young people. When they're connecting with you on a physical, physical way, um, it really shakes self-esteem of the other person, not mm-hmm. me. But of the other person saying, oh, I bet. So there were these weird things like I'd be very, very powerful. And then I'd also be like, what the heck? You know, and I didn't find myself trying to take that away. Um, I found a release to go and train and get rid of the stress. Um, I think that I became because the seeds were planted so young with me about people trying to get in between my soul and my body and telling that I needed to conform or contort to fit into what was right. And I was like, but I have friends that are all different hues of color of skin and, and they don't look like me. I'm like a foot taller than most of them. I'm looking at a picture this weekend and I'm looking at my girlfriends. We're at this thing. And I'm, I, I love these guys. We hug each other. We get so excited. And we took a picture. We took the greatest picture. And I'm looking at both of them. And I text them. I go, am I really tall to you? <laughs> I'm really a head and a half taller. Emmy, that's my daughter. Well, I'm 5'10". So, and my husband's 6'4". So the pediatrician's like, are you surprised? But it is a head and shoulder. She's almost, she's four nine and a half, And she's in first grade. And she is as tall as a teacher and she's this beautiful girl, but I don't want her to have the noise because it's the first thing people say. She's in first grade. You're so tall. How tall are you? I'm like watching myself because she's right out there. And I'm like, yeah, she's tall like mommy. It, but I want her to embrace it and not, it, it's a thing that's making her different. And everyone is saying it. And I'm like, yeah, she's tall, but everyone says it to her. Like, how do I make sure that that's not a thing for her? Let go of the control. Let go of the control with your ease and grace around the topic. Ease and grace. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? She's so kind and she's also so generous and she's also so thoughtful. Did you know that she reverted 
take yeah. it, deflect it into another direction and that. that will diffuse it. And then she gets the nuggets of how you feel about her outside yeah. of her physicality, which is fabulous and divine and wonderful. Yes. But it's the, it's the left turn, you know, yeah, with exactly. ease and that. grace. Ease and grace. And Ease I don't want grace. to value in her worthiness to be tied up in physical. Like you're so smart. You're so kind. I, I don't right. use physical compliments because that's what it was for me. And my mom, it was like thin was worthy. And that's how they grew up. It's like we said, like with Twiggy and you just think that that's, I don't know how, I can't imagine like stepping into the modeling world and not being that norm of what a model is supposed to look like and just embracing it. Like, were you ever told to lose weight or did they want you to conform? Cause you were the first one. I can't even imagine that. Well, there, there were other models that were work in the catalog work in the, in the eighties. And then there was Peggy Dillard that was, you know, all that at Vogue as a straight size, you know, supermodel. And then she, gained some weight and she slipped into this new oh, field yeah. and he had done all these things as a straight size model. But when I came on the scene, I, I used my voice because I was trained as a journalist and, and yeah. I really was like, this doesn't, doesn't right. It, there's something being shoved in our psyche. I was growled at by a, an editor of a woman's fashion magazine when I was working at E and I was doing some, you know, behind the scenes stuff and, you know, run fashion, you know, the fashion show interviews with different people. And my sound guy leans over to me and he goes, that, that person, I'm not going to name names, but that person is actually growling at you because he could hear it. It was being picked up on audio. Oh my and God. I, really rubbed people, some people in a wrong way because I was representing change. Yeah. The pain of not changing is greater than the change itself. That's yes. when change happens. And I also, by just existing and having looks to me and having opportunities that were coming towards me, um, a lot of other clients in the media the the media was very very supportive of what i was doing it had an incredible pr team sarah hall productions she did such an incredible job with not just leaning on me being a plus size woman i was a woman an athlete a, a an innovator a thinker you know and so yeah. that was all being highlighted and when did i want to conform no i wanted to just be happy and healthy at whatever size I was going to be. And I was done with all the dieting. I was done with thinking that I was not right just where I was. And so, um, how were you done? Can I get in? Like, when did you were like, I'm done, done with this? Yeah. What was I, the point where you were done? We were talking about, you know, the seeds being planted early and then all these things with being an athlete and then, then doing research. When I started doing research and, and working with the national eating disorders association, um, as an ambassador, I mean, talking even before it was called Nita, I was finally got that information. And if anybody needs that information, please go to mynita.org because, or Project Heal or wherever it is. But if you are wondering if, you know, how do you shift the thinking from, I got to change, got to change, got to change, go, no way, Jose, I am not doing this anymore. I'm gathering my, my, uh, my corral around me, my, my friends, the people that really love me just the way I am as I love them. Um, I think it was through the research. When I started okay. seeing data come back at me and being a journalist, it was like light bulbs are going off. Wow. There's this many people that are suffering 
suffering from eating disorders. This is what's causing the eating disorders. It was the awareness, Erin. It was the aware, the light that I was, I was digging through some stuff and go, whoa, what's that? So what mm-hmm. I would do is I would take this data and use sound bites and only leave like two or three sound bites for an interview, make sure that I was on target. And if an interviewer tried to take me down a sensational road, I didn't matter. I didn't matter. I didn't have to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I did not have to go there. I chose to go in one direction. And if they invited me back, which they did, you know, it, that's what's made the the big change. Yeah. Because when I found out that I wasn't alone in this inner struggle of eating too little, eating too much, over exercising, under exercising, yes. um, you know, doing all this other stuff. Yes. When right now it's like I tread water for a half an hour and I have the most beautiful tone Um, and I'm not in the gym killing myself anymore. I will go in every once in a while, a little this and that, but I want joy. I want movement. I want to do it with friends. I love walking every other day, 10 miles, 15 miles a week. Yeah. Right. And I, I hug trees. <laughs> you're doing it for the joy. You're not doing it to burn calories. When that shifts where I wouldn't That's walk, right. like before I was like, I'm not going to walk. I'm High not five. sweaty. <laughs> I <High five>. always, <laughs> okay. now I walk and I'd be like, I walk is such a waste of time because I'm not uh, burning calories. I'm not you're sweating. An saying that. That's an athlete saying that I thought I had to run and then I I didn't lift. I just would do cardio all day. You made me think of this when you're talking about Nita, when I healed and I'm using quotes because maybe I'm not healed. I know I use the wrong language and you know, I didn't go to treatment process, but I've been told by some of those institutions that I, when I tag them, because I'm trying to help people come out of it, that I use fat phobic language. And I, I said, then tell me, I don't want to be. I don't want to say the wrong things and trigger people. My intention is to show someone that I struggled for 20 years from 16 to 36 with literally everything, anorexia, exercise, bulimia, bulimia, every diet. I found my set point and my happy place, taking care of myself, going for walks. I'm not pushing my body like that anymore. And when I shared that and my book kind of made it to the eating disorder community, they said that I have no um, right to be speaking on eating disorder recovery because I'm not a professional. And I got really defensive with my first book. Cause I was like, I am just sharing my story. And they said that what I'm saying is not in line with how professionals see recovery. So I have all this imposter syndrome. Every time I start talking about eating disorder recovery, I catch myself. I'm like, but I'm not a professional. And then I'm like, I want to be, I know I can help someone else out of this, but they, they don't want me talking about it. I mean, so there's certain there and I and I appreciate you coming out with your story. There's certain things that if it's too descriptive, it could be triggering and it could be uh, breadcrumbing. You know, it's called breadcrumbing. I to, get that. To, and the, so if when you if you want to, so with a lot of authors, when I see books coming for me to take a look and do a, a quote or something if I'm not working on something and my publisher's like put a hold on this, but I w- will read it. I will give notes and I'll say. Reduce breadcrumbing. Ooh. You under, you know, reduce now that. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're exactly what was going on, yes. Then 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 you're you and how are you supposed to know this, right? How are you supposed to know? You're thinking that you're really helping and you are. 
And so there's general ways of talking about the journey. All everybody's journey is different. Um, but in order to be able to be hanging within the, 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 the resources, the resource yeah. books, um, more about the feelings you're okay. where, where you were at and the feelings and why, and that makes and sense. How, yeah. Like breadcrumbing yeah. is like almost t- teaching people how to do it. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, we're moms. We're not out on the town every night anymore. We're chasing our toddlers through our kitchen. But there are those times where you want just that little extra something. Maybe it's a girl's night, a wedding, a date night, a work event. If you're looking for that little extra confidence boost, you need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift delivers dramatic results to minimize the look of lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, those 11 lines that I have between my eyebrows. I use it on the bags under my eyes. Guys, it works in four minutes and delivers results up to seven hours. I've tried it. I'm obsessed. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A liftbeauty.com and use promo code margaritas. You need this in your life. Shipping is free. You get 20% off. Go to rejuvaliftbeauty.com. Now back to squats and margaritas. If you're laying out the steps that got you there and it's pretty detailed, um, just know that, that uh, yeah, it's, it's, it could be triggering. So what I did, I did not want to share anything. I had so much shame, obviously, about bulimia yeah. that I, when I got to the place where I live now, I said, I'm going to write a book and help the women. You don't need to restrict your calories. You need to eat more and you need to get off the treadmill and just live your life. So it was like the second part of my book. And I got a writing coach and she's like, are you a trainer? Are you a nutritionist? And I'm like, no. And she's like, you have zero credibility unless you share your story. So I shared my story and yes, there were moments of vulnerability, but it was more to like show the reader. I have been through this and now I live like this and to kind of show, but maybe that's. And you're brave to have come out with your story. So brave, so courageous. (laughs) I just want to help the next person. I'm not a professional. And sometimes you don't want to hear from a professional because I started my foundation because when I was 16, I cannot imagine me going to therapy and there's a man with a clipboard that's like, tell me about your eating disorder. And you're like, you don't get it. But my foundation provides mentorship from women who have been through that same thing. So it is a trusted person that gets it. And that's who I would have talked to. And my mom, when she called me on it, it was just, I was defensive because it was shameful. But if somebody else was like, bulimia, me too. I'm out of it now. And I can talk to her about it and open it up. I want a safe space, not just bulimia, just like body image, um, a child of divorce, sexual identity, whatever you feel that you have that's making you feel isolated, you're talking to someone that went through that. And I want it to be that for the women that maybe they're not like abusing their bodies with eating disorders, but exercise bulimia, basically if you're exercising to undo food, that's an eating disorder. And I want people to not look at exercise like that. Like you said, we high five, like go outside and be in nature. And that's what it should be. It's not a punishment and it's not undoing food. And that was my message, but it got kind of, they didn't like it. (laughs) Well, you know, listen, was that, that was your first book. So it's yes, a learning I put out lesson. Another one. It's, there's a balance. There's a balance. 
And may God bless you with many books that you're going to come out with. Right. Yeah. And, and there's, there's, this is a journey. Life is life university. There's no perfection here. And quite frankly, I'm not going to please absolutely everyone. Yeah. And so if you having gone through, having gone through what you went through with the first book, you've learned many lessons that perhaps you'll send your book to different people who are those that had reviewed it in the first place to get, get notes from them. Yeah. And then it will be your decision to see, I'll take that note. That's a good one. Uh, This one I can work with, you know what I mean? So that just means it's so brave and courageous for you to come out. First and foremost, that I take your note. I didn't even know, realize that. And now I see what you mean. Like I I couldn't, I didn't think of someone using it as like a tool to do it. Like I shouldn't have been as vulnerable maybe, but let's talk about that. You're not going to please everyone. Let's talk about haters and people like that project their insecurities. Do you respond to negative comments? Like you probably don't get it as much anymore, but how do you handle haters and trolls? So, um, you know, I, I, I don't really focus there um, okay. where I focus is, and I, I'm really, you know, I really need to do a lot more work on social, but I, I, um, I like doing the live. I like doing, you know, the videos and I, I, I just, I just being on social all the time and doing it and seeing certain comments. What I say to people when they do need to say, be, you know, express themselves in my forum. Yeah. Listen, you are so welcome. You're always welcome here. In my community, there's an open door for everyone to come in and to hang out. Now, if with those people that need to deflect their bad feelings onto others, and it's their opportunity to do it under the guise of like whatever emoji they have, I will say in general, everyone is welcome here. The door is always welcome. It's not going to be me that's going to ask you to leave the community. Go and have yourself a little little search to find your right community. And if you do not find your right community and you want to come back into the community, the door is open. However, when you come through this door again, kindness is ruling here. Respect is self, self respect for others is ruling and if you do not um, share this type of um, heartfelt uh, reassurance that this is your place, we're going to have to ask you to leave and the door will be closed. Understand, yeah. it's always open that first time to come right back in. But if you are not being kind, it's really, you know, we can do as much as we can, but we will not tolerate it. Yes. It's, and- it's just like, you know, there's many places where we have these portals of personalities. If this is not yours, you don't have to stay here. And they're there because they're triggered by something that you're saying, like a happy, confident person would never take the time to write a comment like that. So what I always say is like, I feel bad for them. Somebody that's taking the time to write that they're, they're triggered by something. You're doing something that is making them feel some type of way about themselves and it's triggering to them. So you almost look at it like, Oh my gosh, like they have to be struggling to write a comment like that because a happy, confident person would never write something like that. So I try to like, I don't, I try to almost win them back. And it's not even like, <laughs> that's probably not the best way to do it. Oh my gosh, it's I not your job, it. Aaron. I know. Yeah. Why do I still, I try to keep everybody yeah. with me still. <laughs> Maybe I don't. Well, that's interesting. But, you know, I am a coach 
And I could ask you a couple of questions, but that's cool. It's a good, sweet thing. But I, I want to tell you, <laughs> I want to let you off the hook. You're not here to change anybody else. If someone is really attracted to your vibe, you know, your flow, uh, your way, and it can help them along their journey and they're open to it. Those are the, the the souls that are going to be joining you on the journey. I've, I really got relief when I, I figured this one out. And I'm not here to change anybody. I am not here to go out and get women to be happy with their bodies. If they're searching for it and they like the, the feeling that they feel when they're around either in a live event or, you know, they watch the shows that I'm on or whatever – um, and they respond back and forth and, and they get something from the content that I could provide, then that is, that's great. But yeah. I stopped being like, women should be happy. <laughs> you know, we, we need to love our bodies. I changed it on my website. Stop being body mean. appreciation. Body yeah. appreciation. Body no appreciation. more body love. I choose to love my body because I've worked like God knows how many decades on this. But to, to, to say on my website, which I did body, you know, body love and, you know, body joy. And it's, well, not everybody is there. They're, yeah. they're going through their stuff. But if they can appreciate, just appreciate that their soul is right inside. And the body is the thing that keeps us alive, having this conversation, eating the food that we're eating, hugging the people that we love, um, seeing the, whatever is around us, that's the body helping the soul have this journey. Um, mm. There has to be some kind of appreciation to get beyond the lack of building blocks to, to supporting the body and, and wellness in my, this is my take on wellness is being aware of what your body needs. If we can appreciate the body and what it affords the soul to do on this earth mm -hmm. there's healing that can take place by so many capitalistic entities that are trying to take real estate on our body yes okay yes. and if we could just say no this this business the body is not open to your business we don't want to work with you we are not interested thank you so much and that's talking about building boundaries about how we talk about ourselves being courageous putting your hands on your hips and saying i'm going to be courageous today and i'm going to to make sure that i don't feel anger and jealousy and um uh, uh you know frustration and shame and guilt about anything in my life. Yes. And it takes courage to really rise up from that and say, I choose to feel and to see good things. I choose it's choices, choices, choices. And when you can train yourself over and over and over again, your life begins to change. It's mindset. And that's, yes. that's the coaching um, part of the business where I wanted to get into coaching and do all this work. And as yeah. I'm working with all these different people, this is what I'm learning. Yeah. It's all mindset. Yes. And like you said, it's what you're following and what you're like exposing yourself to. I, another thing that with my foundation, I focus on teen girls. They are comparing themselves to social media images that are not even real. And I watched, I feel like I say this on every show, but I feel like I need to share it with you. I watched a model. She was a reality star, but like 
rail thin model body, I'll say, on a plane with a an app where she was blowing up a picture of her in a bathing suit. And then she would shave off a little bit of her arm, a little bit of her leg. And I'm watching through the seats on the airplane. I'm like, she's going to post this. I watched her slim down everything, post it on Instagram. And there's two problems here. Obviously, the first is there's going to be a 16-year-old girl somewhere that's scrolling and that's saying, if I could just starve myself a little bit more, if I could work out just a little bit harder, I could look like this. The model doesn't even look like that. You're comparing yourself to something that is not even reality, and it's ruining your day, and the person in the photo hasn't even achieved it. The second part is this girl was not even confident enough to post a picture of her own body without tweaking it. She didn't feel worthy enough to put out an image that wasn't severely tweaked. I watched it happen. It's not reality. So if you are scrolling and feeling bad about yourself, what you're comparing yourself to isn't even real. And it's going to ruin your day. Like that person doesn't even look like that. So it's like not following accounts that trigger you and just knowing that it's not real. (laughs) Our foundations should work together in the future. Some with some kind of fun project Emmy Foundation and I would spots and margaritas. It's called the Blue Butterfly Foundation. I grow behind. Oh, that's me. right. I had yes. a blue butterfly Emmy coming to my doorstep every single day for two weeks, and it was just when yes. I started. Did you see that? So I, 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 I heard like, your story. Yeah. I said, what does this mean? So I named it Blue Butterfly because I feel like that was the message that I was supposed to start my nonprofit. I would be absolutely honored to do anything with you. I know you have True Beauty. Great. I will talk to you offline, Erin. Okay. Let's schedule a call uh, so that we have a participating with our foundations. And my hashtag place wet win is one of the programs. And I have five oceanic breaths to calm to help teachers and students and to be like tools for calm and yes. fashion without limits is eighth year running. Amazing. Eighth year running at University. And we just Nina Chen just won the last Fashion Without Limits with One Stop Plus. They're so fabulous of a partner. They're taking her winning dress and bringing it through production Amazing. as a junior. So that he, the first, it's so great. So, um, yeah, we have some things to talk about. Let, let me just end it with, um, I know you had a big birthday recently. What's one thing you learned that you didn't know in your 40s or something you would have told your 40-year-old self? More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. Life is short. Get your bucket list (laughs) items out there. Think big. And be really in the present moment and allow the universe to do the work that it needs to do with all those beautiful bucket list items and those wonderful things that you want to get done and not think that you have to do it all on your own. There is help out there. Friends are out there and don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I have the most magnificent year coming up and it's been an interesting journey for all of us over pandemic and my speaking work. I wore, I spoke on a very, very, very regular basis. And then it went for two years, three years, almost three years. And so I just had to keep on having faith that, you know, the work that I do do is valuable enough for people to want to have that in their, in their, yes. And not entertainment, but as a, as a bomb, an emotional yes. bomb. Yes, I love that. Um, <laughs> an emotional bomb. I've you know, been there, done that. And I'm and I always say that I'm a constant work in progress. And, you know, I don't want to say that once, um, and I've got to be, I was, had to be very careful with over-exercising because I was stressed out. Yes, I can go out for a walk. Yes, I can go and swim. Yes, I can do all these different things. 
but um, I, I am always aware that I don't want to use my body as a battering ram. I want to honor the beautiful goddess body that I have so that it lasts as long as I can get on this earth. That's such a short, short time. So think big, be kind and gentle to yourself so that you have an overabundance for other people and um, be in the present moment because that's where the juicy stuff is. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. 